we're starting a new series for the book of Genesis, and we've called it uh, The Gospel in the Beginning. And we, we really, really believe that you can find Christ in and through as we study Genesis together. Um, I want to share with you a story, and, and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when you are a pastor, you, you don't want to be too uh, open and vulnerable sometimes because you had the right intention, but sometimes people misinterpret it, and, um, and they say, wow, is he trying to show off? I'm not. Please, okay? Um, you, you can judge, but, you know, hopefully you won't uh, see it that way. But this week, I was having dinner with my wife, and and obviously with the family, and, and the kids were upstairs, and she shared, um, did you know that when uh, Jin, who's my oldest kid, he's 14, uh, he was talking with an advisor, advisory, I don't, I don't really know the high school system, I'm from Canada, right, and so uh, she was like, he cried, he cried, and I'm like, what was the question, how do your parents parent you, and I'm like, oh, that's not good, like, why did he cry? Is it because we're not parenting him well? She's like, no, 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 it was nothing to do with that. But I guess there was a question that was asked by the advisory, and it wasn't meant to highlight people in different levels of life um, comfort or uh, life uh, stage, but she shared, how many of you guys don't know where you're going to get your winter jacket from? And everyone stood dead silent. And I guess there was a, a female student that he, she knew, he knew, and and she had been wearing the same clothes uh, for this whole week. And, and uh, as she kind of cautiously and awkwardly and, and embarrassingly raised her hand, um, he saw that and he started to cry. And I asked, uh, why did you cry? And, I, and he said, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm so spoiled with so many things. And I didn't know that not knowing where your next winter jacket or even having a winter jacket would be a cause of pain for somebody. And so I think that was a really good teaching moment for me with my son, but also for our church. I think a lot of us think that in this area, we have a lot of middle-class people. But as far as I know, even in the high school that we have, there's over 100 people on um, assisted lunch programs. And um, I think it's great that we do all this. We provide a nice facility. We give you a good sermon, hopefully today. No promises. Um, we have staff and leaders that love Christ, but I think the season is coming now where we really have to look outward. And I don't know how to will ourselves to do that because I can beg and plead, but if our, not, our hearts are not in it, it's not just about writing a check anymore. I think that's, that's no longer acceptable. I think we have to start asking, like, what then do we do with what we have? I mean, even if it means that we have to get rid of some of um, things just so that we can be more present with our community, we ought to do so. And so I, I'm, I'm really hoping for a season in the coming year that we need to really do away with a lot of things that were unnecessary. Uh, we don't have this building to maintain. We have this building to be missional. We don't have programs. We have people that we have to build up. And it's not about governance and policies and financial-like stuff. It was always about God. And so I think we need to come back to the real purpose behind church. And I think the church has been seen by the rest of the world. You guys exist to do your programs, but how is that affecting me? And I think we need to do something uh, about that. So I want to invite you to pray. I'm not asking you to give into anything just yet. And you don't have to. No one's forcing you. But I think let's, 
let's see with missional eyes in mind what we can do for city of Bothell where we live, where people have um, no voice and no power. Our country is going through one of the most um, divided moments of history. And where you stand politically, I don't really mind. I think everyone comes, and the common denominator is Jesus Christ. But there are a lot of people hurting. Amen? And, um, and I think we, we, we really have to critically uh, come with some kind of solution. Because if we have Jesus Christ, and, and he's been our solution to all of our life situations, then we've we got to take that outside to the world. And so I'm hoping that you guys uh, would partner with me on that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, let's read God's word. If you are able to stand with me, let's uh, read together. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it, be, let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let, there, uh, let waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruits, trees bearing fruit in which uh, is their seed according to its kind on earth. And it was so the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees uh, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God said that it was good and it was evening and there was the morning and the third day. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. May be seated. Uh, you know, when I first read that when I was younger, and I just saw vegetation and seed and fruit, I actually thought God was asking us to be vegetarians. Uh, <laughs> uh, there were some people that believe God originally created us, that we don't actually need meat. Um, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I like to think God is a, is a loving God that likes for us to enjoy all things in life, especially a cow that died for us. And so um, if you are a vegetarian... Please, please, we, we celebrate that. If you are one of those uh, pescatarians, um, yeah, we celebrate you too. I don't know if we can always get dinner together, but we celebrate you. Everyone is welcome here in this presence. As I said, we're going to be uh, traveling and journeying through the book of Genesis. We believe in our church. We're going to go through the books of the Bible because I'm not in full revelation of what God wants to say to the church Because maybe one week I say things because of the political climate of the country. I say this because there was um, some kind of natural disaster. But for us, if we go through books of the Bible, we know that we can't skip out on things that are difficult to preach. And we know God in and through that reveals his goodness and his message to not only our church, but to the rest of the world. And I also believe that the gospel... In the beginning, that's a great title for us to really land on because the gospel, the story of the gospel and the story of God, it all started when he said, in the beginning, God. Now, I want to ask you, uh, do you know what Genesis means? Obviously, you know, all of you are really, really immensely uh, smart. It actually means beginning. Now, for some of our older older folks here, when you hear the word Genesis, I don't think of beginning, I think of a, a rock band 
uh, where Phil Collins sings, he seems, see, some of our older ge- people are like smiling. Yeah, those who are not smiling are the young ones in this place. But Genesis means the beginning. In the book of beginnings, which is Genesis, we find the beginning of the universe, the first of all things, and then the beginning of the life forms within the universe, beginning of man, the beginning of sin and death. And then we find the beginning of God's redemptive program by the beginning of a nation. Now, when I read the first verse, and I was just really overwhelmed and um, surrendering because this has such deep, deep meaning for us. It says, in the beginning, comma, God. And I just stopped there. Because if you really, really just sit before this and know what that really means, it's really going to create a trajectory in your life that's going to end differently. Church, do you know where you're going? Do you know the purpose of life? Don't you ask yourself this question, what the heck is the purpose for everything that I see? Why am I doing the things that I do? Why do I work with the things that I have to work on? What is my ultimate end goal in life? What is my purpose in life? I want to share with you a quote from Terry Pratchett. He says, if you do not know where you come from, then you don't know where you are. And if you don't know where you are, then you don't know where you're going. And if you don't know where you're going, you're probably wrong. The first phrase of scripture, especially Genesis, is absolutely powerful for us. It says, in the beginning, comma, God. Not only is this powerful, but I also think for us, humanity, it's a profoundly comforting knowing that there is an assurance of a beginning. Now, why is this profoundly powerful and comfortable or comforting? Because the Bible clearly and boldly proclaims that we are not lost We're not wandering in a cosmic circle of time. Everything that we see before our very eyes is not an accident. It's not isolated from any meaning. At the heart of the Christian life is one, and the one being God, who stood at the foundation of the world, and with creativity and wisdom and beauty, caused life and history to begin. And because there was a beginning... And in the beginning, there is God and was always God. And all of our confusions, all of our doubts, and all of our wandering, our doubts to continue to remain in our hearts and our minds, we have answers for. Not just because there is a beginning, but because in the beginning is God. All of you have questions. There have been moments in your life where you kind of look up to the sky or just look introspectively and say, I want to know what the purpose of life is. I have all these philosophical questions, and I have questions upon questions, and I'm not getting any answers for. And some of us have turned to material possessions, or some of us have turned to meditational practices. Some of us have turned to religion, and just so that we could be religious to fill our void. But the questions still exist. Where do I come from? Where am I going? What's the meaning of life? Not only have we asked it in our modern day context, but this question has existed for thousands and thousands of years. But church, if you were to look at this critically, in the beginning, comma, God, I believe if you know where all things began, you also know where all will end, and everything in life has meaning, but the meaning of all life and the questions of all life must and will always be answered with God. That's what this verse is saying. I love how Ravi Zacharias puts it, because he says there's a period of philosophical journey that we all 
kind of take ourselves on. And we have questions upon questions. It's compounding because the more we live life, the more questions that we have. And Ravi says, when your questions are distilled and take all the issues that are prompting certain questions to arise, there really are only four questions that make sense out of your life. Number one, he says, it's origin. Number two, it says morality. Number three, meaning. And number four, destiny. And he goes to argue to say that if you are trying to ask this question and the only true answer that comes is Jesus Christ. That's what he's ultimately getting at. He's an apologist and he is turning his heart and affection to atheists who do not believe in the existence of God. And he is saying, but here's the answer. Origin. How did I come into being? Like for me, it cannot be answered by some sort of scientific, atmospheric pressure and condition and poof, I'm here. It doesn't rest well with me because I don't know what then will happen tomorrow. The question of morality. How can I determine what is right and wrong? Who has given me the barometer to decide what is right and wrong? How do I know from good and evil? How do I know that I have that moral fiber? Is it just because I'm a good person? Or is it because it's been given from the very heart of God? Because we have been created in the image of God. Meaning, what is the purpose of life itself? And no matter how old or young you are, you will have this question. And finally, he says, destiny. What happens to a human being when he or she dies? Church, how many of you have asked this question? Maybe you haven't asked it in one sitting, but you have asked periodically, and you continue to ask. Church, we don't like it when we ask a question, we don't get an answer back. That's confusing. There's doubts. But for us, the answer is most profoundly found in God. Now, Genesis tells us where we come from, because in the beginning is God, and God created us. How do I know between what is right and wrong? How do I know what is the purpose of life? Be fruitful and multiply and worship me. Where do we go at the end of all things? We go back to him. God created the heavens and the earth, and you see that this is a declaration, not an argument. There is not one passage in Scripture where God is trying to fight for his existence. He just is. There's never an argument. He just declares So church, know this. God is not in the business of explaining. He's in the business of declaration. He declares all things. He reveals all things. And Genesis is simply declaring that God is and that he created all things. You can't go further than that because it's in the beginning, comma, God. Perhaps some people can handle the fact that there is a beginning, but the addition of God, they have a hard time accepting. But if we choose to erase that portion of the verse, meaning eliminating God, then we have a critical problem. In the beginning, comma, nothing, then what is it? Is it just a bunch of gases floating around? Where does this all come from? Where do we have all these questions? Where do we go to for answers? But when we say in the beginning, comma, God, we recognize that all that we see and know, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't some explosion. It wasn't by transforming through specific atmospheric conditions. We can't just say it happens and it's accidental. Within the universe, we clearly see a design. And behind this design, there is certain a designer. Look at our human body. We see a design. It's not like we have three eyes, right? It's not like we have 10 ears. There is like a congruency even in human bodily design. 
So you can't have a design without a designer. And that for me is easier to grasp and understand for me to believe that the whole thing is not just a vast series of accidental combinations because that just shows me it's too remote. It's too left to chance and coincidence. The word created in Hebrew is the word bara, which speaks of creating something out of nothing. Meaning, that is the only capacity left to the very power of God. You can make something, but you can't create something out of nothing. That is only only the authority that is given to God himself. Church, if that is true, that he created heavens and the earth, and he created all things that we see before our eyes, no matter what situation you are in, he can create new things. He can give you new things, not in a prosperity way, but what you need for that time, he has the power to give. Why? In the beginning, comma, God. The second thing I see in this chapter is the definition of love. There's been thousands and thousands of songs written about love, but they don't know where perfect love comes from. Now, if you see here, in the beginning, comma, there's God. And then if you go to verse 2, the tail end of verse 2, it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Hovering. Hovering is not like a bunch of, like, it's not a ghost. It's not a, a gas form that's just kind of doing this. But what I heard Tim Keller say was, and I think he gets it from commentary, hovering means it's like a bird protecting its egg. Or a bird protecting its babies. Before they're ready to fly. It's hovering and protecting. So we see the active agent of the spirit of God. And then we see eight different times that God said, let there be something. So he is using what? Spoken word to create. Now I don't know if you know the understanding of logos. It's translated as word. But there's so much more to that. Right? In, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. What does it mean? Logos, in this sense, is not just spoken word. Yes, it is. But it's also seen as a creative agent that it speaks things into being. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But you see the active, the three amazing persons of God, and God, Spirit, and actually the Word, or the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? Because if we do not have the Trinity, we don't have the understanding of perfect love. At the center of all reality, at the heart of the universe, there exists an eternal divine community of perfect love. The Bible calls this community the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's a certain logic to the Trinitarian belief. The Bible says that God is love, But the only way God can be loved is for God to be a community of divine persons. Why? God, especially in this act of love, does not exist by itself. God is that eternal community of love. And we know that the nature of true love is is not just binding or limiting, but it is quite expansive. Love flows outward and it grows. Therefore, in the beginning when God created the universe, it's an overflow of love that original divine community, as it expands in love and delight, it includes its beloved creatures. Some of the early church fathers 
used a Greek word to describe this life and the love of the Holy Trinity, and it's perichoresis. And the word that you find is the word choreograph. It's kind of this perfect love, indwelling, or sometimes people have often translated that to be this holy divine dance that exists and explains about the perfect love for all eternity. Imagine the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit included in this perfect harmony. It's not one upmanship. It's not who's higher or lower. There is no jealousy. It's this perfect love that exists, and it's a true community of perfect love. A lot of people ask, what is the reason behind creation? I believe God wanted us to experience perfect love. We are invited to join this dance as well. It's not just God is Trinitarian, but our salvation is Trinitarian. In John chapter 17, verse 22 to 23, this is what it says. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Isn't that amazing? Complete unity happens when? I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the whole world will know that you sent me and have loved me, even as you have loved me. Jesus makes this astounding claim that the triune God's ultimate purpose is to include us in the Trinitarian dancing and love. Now, a lot of people that I talk to, we struggle with different things. And I'm not just honing our life just to struggle, but there are times when we have more overwhelming things. I was just talking to someone after first service, and they were sharing with me what happened this week, and I was like, wow, that just seems more than for a full year, but you experienced that in a given week, and I prayed for them. But think about this. In your lowest, in your loneliness, in your worry, in your overwhelming in your suffering, when you are invited to the stance that exists in this perfect love and being part of the Trinity, doesn't that give us hope to know that everything that we face is not all that we will see? We are continually invited into this dance, and out of that, something else comes. Because once you begin to understand how central the Trinity is to our faith, it shows up everywhere. That our worship makes sense. Our sacraments make sense. The backbone of our creed makes sense. The assurance of our prayer makes sense. That the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the original and eternal community of love out of which we were created. It is for our true, and that will be our eternal home. God is rich in relationship. And he knows exactly what you are going through. And he wants to provide that perfect love. Some of you who are in relationship and some of you who are married. And for us as husbands, we get this question. Honey, why do you love me? Isn't that a difficult question to ask? Right? And we have to have a really good answer for it. Wives, have you received good answers? Girlfriends, have you received girl? They're like, yeah, well, it's because I love you. Yeah, oh, you know. I don't have to explain it. You just know. Look in my eyes. You know? Yeah. Why do you love? When I pose that question for my wife, I just, I just say this. Honey, I love you because I love you. Why is there a reason for that? You know, I, I did this thing, father school, and, and, um, and they ask you, write 20 things that you like about your, love about your wife. 
You know, I did this like 14 years ago, and I was immature. I was like 26. I don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm nearly married, and, and I, so I said, I love, I love her left eye. I love her right eye. <laughs> I love her left arm. I love everything. And I, I just went down the list. And of course, that's just surface-level stuff. I love her because she's my lifelong prayer partner, that she's always part of my team. She's the one through Christ uses to restore my heart and my soul that I can go through difficult situations I can share with her and she will have a different, more wise perspective. Men, do you agree, right? But imagine this, this, this active agent of perfect love is constantly inviting you and you cannot stay where you are. You are always invited. Doesn't it really feel like important when you are invited? Have you not been invited to do something or be part of something? Do you know that feeling, that feeling of, wow, maybe I'm not good enough to be invited? How come everyone is there except for me? Any of you felt like that? Or when you're in grade school and you're like playing wall ball and, and you're the last one to be picked, but even they don't want to pick you. They're like, okay, I guess, okay, come on. You know, like that feeling, but knowing that Christ and his perfect love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's something active there that you are bound to receive this perfect love. Our God is rich in relationship. And he wants to communicate. He has love for all people. And this models to us what dynamic Trinitarian life is all about. It's communication. It's relationship. It's affection. And this is how God loves in this way. The quality of our Christian life is based on the imitation of the interior life of this Trinity. A lot of people I know come to our church and say, it's so hard to find community. I don't think that's the right way of looking at it. Some of you, are, some of, I think what you want to say is, I'm having a hard time fellowshipping with people. But if we're really doing this right, community does not exist with other people. It first exists with the Trinity. And when you can learn to be invited and partake in this dance, you now have the power to give and provide community as it was truly meant. I'm going to say it again. The quality of your Christian life is not based on exterior things, but it's based on the imitation of the interior life of the Trinity. What is that? No jealousy, no hatred, no anger. Honoring one another, worshiping one another. It's that perfect love that exists. Why do people not come to church? Is it because of Jesus Christ? Most people don't have issues with Jesus. And I'm sorry to say, myself as a Christian, the reason why they don't come is because of Christians. What they see here is not enacted in our personal lives, myself included. The Trinity is the model of every human community from the most simple and elemental, which is the family, the universal church. It shows how love creates unity out of diversity. Our nation is divided on our political spectrum. But if we really live this out as Christians, we can show them a true perfect model of unity that exists out of diversity. The unity of intentions, of thought and will, diversity of subjects and characteristics, but we can still be united because love and perfect love and perfect community exists in part of the Trinity. Church, if we were to live this out, just even just among us, it has great power to change the world. Finally, what we see and what I see in, in Genesis chapter 1 and throughout Genesis is that we see Christ in the midst of creation. Now, why do I say that? Because as I said, there's eight times where God said. 
God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation and plants and all the garden salad stuff. And God said, let there be light in the expanse of heaven to separate the day from night. God said, God said, God said. He said that eight times. Why is that important for us? Because when he speaks, life and new things are brought to this world. Church, we need a fresh new wave of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh new wave of the fullness of life. We need a fresh new wave of joy. That happens when God speaks. And it also happens when we listen and respond. Creation. It's the only word used for God, as I said. He created out of nothing. Even when we think we have nothing in our life, even when we think everything is just bursting at the seams, even if we are just totally succumbing to life situations, out of nothing he can create and let him speak into your life. Let him give you life. Let him give you light. Some of us in our complete darkness of depression or anxiety or overcome by our past sins and shame and guilt have bonded our hearts and our minds that we can't move forward. Let him speak to you. Be open. Avail yourself. God, my heart is open to the one in the beginning God who created all things. I want you to speak into my heart. Why is this word And speaking things into being so important because it's an agent of power. It creates things. God didn't just go and turn on a light switch or tell someone else to do it. When God speaks to us, our situations are radically overturned. It seems full. The Spirit of God hovering over the water. The reason the Word of God is spoken is because when you speak things into being, you're asking for relationships. You don't have a relationship when you tell someone, mm, mm, mm. How do you have a relationship? You don't. You have a relationship when you open yourself to communication. I remember when I was courting my wife and we were dating. We didn't date long because, you know, I asked her to marry me in a span of 24 hours. I mean, you know, when you know, you know. No time's wasting it. We would be on the phone, and, and, and I was living in Seoul at the time, and, and she was leaving, living more south. And, uh, you know, I'd be on the phone just talk. And, and uh, do you guys know me a little bit? I'm, I, I don't like to talk on the phone, not necessarily. But for me, it was just like I could not wait to get done with church ministry and just go home and, and just talk and talk. The more I talked, the more I got to know her. The more I got to know her, I was like, man. This is a God-given gift given to me. I've totally married up out of my league. Talking, you're asking for a relationship. God is asking for a relationship. He speaks things into being. In John chapter 1, nothing was created without the Son, Jesus Christ. God has this community, this circle of love, And this whole idea, as I said, of Trinity might overload our circuits. But within it, when God speaks, he wants our relationship with him. God created a nature of community of beings, all of whom can reflect God's glory, and it is good. Do you know that everything in our world has purpose? You have purpose. I have purpose. Someone comes to... um, me always, every after every service, every Sunday, 9.30, if I'm here speaking, 
And they always say, wow, that word spoke to me. It was exactly what I was going through. And I'm like, well, you say that every week. But no, he was like, no, really, this week I really even mean it. And I know next week he's going to say the same thing. But he said, it helped me to know that all the things that I've been trying to attain has been meaningless. There is purpose for my life. He said there's a purpose for trees. There's purpose for a bird. There's purpose for even a lion. And God forsake those bears. They're scary. Bears are scary. They can outrun you, climb, swim. They are the most ferocious things. Don't believe in the golden teddy bear thing. They're they're ferocious, right? But there's purpose for that. Why? Because I think he created all things in its original design that they ought to praise and worship him. In the Pacific Northwest versus where I come from in Dallas, Texas, right? I know when you think of Dallas, Texas, you just think of like cowboy hats and cows and longhorns. And there are what we call man-made lakes. I remember one year I took my uh, senior uh, youth group kids. We went to uh, Lake Louisville. I mean, if you're from Dallas, you don't, you don't swim there. You don't know what exists at the bottom of that water, right? There's like fish, but this kind of fish and species you've never seen. It's like morphed because of all this mutation, right? But you don't swim there. But here, it's like beautiful. It's beautiful. I told you, I went to Lake Tahoe this past summer, and, and they were like so proud of their Lake Tahoe, and I'm like, well, it's okay. I mean, you know, we, we have it better over here, especially in Vancouver, Right? But what is the purpose for the body of water? What's the purpose for trees, animals, everything? Their purpose is to worship and praise the one who created. If that's the purpose for even these, there's a purpose for us. The purpose that we find here is that God wants our worship. Church, how are you worshiping God? How are you doing in your worship? I wish we can have that light turn on and off, and like Sunday when we come, we could just turn it on and just be filled with worship. But you know what? It's just not happening. It can't. That's why I believe what C.S. Lewis says, your worship on Sunday is predicated and dictated on your worship from Monday to Saturday. When you've lost the desire to worship, you can't make any excuses. It's because of this, because of that. I'm busy. I'm all this. But come on, let's be serious. You have been created to worship. And when you're not doing that, something runs afoul in our life. God said, let us create as human beings out of the image of God. And then it says it was very good. Not just good, but he said it was very good. Now, why does he say it's very good? Because he is enjoying what he has created. He's not just marveling at his creative power, but he is saying, I adore you and I see you as very good. How could we be seen as good before God? How are we, if we were honest and we were naked before every single person here, and we literally saw what we did this past week, how could we ever say that we are good? How could God see us as good? And this I get from Tim Keller. He says this, we are only, be, we are only good because of what Jesus has done. On the cross, he spoke, Jesus, 
but he received no answer. He was emptied. He sought the presence of God. Jesus was deconstructed and decreated. He had to be unmade so that we could be created, constructed, and created. If you believe that Jesus did all for you on the cross, died the death that you should have died and to live the life that you should have lived, you need to hear that your really, really bad life of emptiness and void, you can never fill it with materialistic things, and you will surely not fill it with religious things. You can only fill it with Jesus Christ. Jesus was made void for you, and the Father now looks at you and says that you are good. Until you know this, you will not understand why creation really needed to happen. You were created for a purpose. First worship service, I, uh, I asked uh, Daniel uh, to prepare some songs. And, and I was finishing my last little bit on the sermon last night. And, and I was listening to hymnals. I don't know if you guys know, I really love hymnals. And, and uh, the song was, How Great Thou Art. And I had it on YouTube. And my wife was like, honey, you should ask, you know, uh, Pastor Daniel to play for you. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of late. I don't want to bother him. He's like, no, ask him. If he says no, no, but just ask. You don't know. He might say yes. And I did, right? We're going to sing it a little bit later. I'm not going to sing it for you. I just feel like I've done enough singing the last three weeks. But, but this is what it says. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands has made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe is played. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down and from my lofty mountain grandeur and I see the broken and feel the gentle breeze. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. I pray as we go through the book. And each verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Genesis, that we get to see Christ in the midst of all things. That we would know we are going somewhere because we know where we came from. That we would know perfect love is displayed in this holy trinity. And there always is an invitation for you to experience that. And finally, allow God to speak things into your life. And may you experience his amazing life-given revelation. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much. Um, Thank you that you are awesome. That your hands have made everything, the stars, the rolling thunder, the universe display. You created the trees, the forest glades. You did not spare Jesus Christ. You gave everything to us. And I pray that we would truly, truly know that in the beginning, comma, God, we find all of our answers from you. And you are our starting point and our end point. You are our Alpha and Omega. I pray that the Spirit of God will touch our hearts now. We were born to bring community to this world we were also born to worship you. When we cease to worship you, it's not that we don't worship nothing. Just as G.K. Chesterton said, we worship everything. And that's why chaos and disorder happens, because we have disordered our loves. 
just as out of chaos and void and formlessness you created the world. When we worship God, we bring order and priority and stableness into our life. I pray that you would inject your spirit of the living God into our hearts, our minds, and that we would truly, truly come here to worship you corporately. But I also pray that our Monday to Saturday worship will be filled with your presence, filled with your favor, filled with the word of God, and that we would know that you are not only alive, but you have great and mighty plans for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand, church, and sing this song as a prayer unto him. And I pray that you would be richly blessed in doing so.